Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wastelands with Greg and Ringo. Say hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. This week, we went ahead and took on a Walk Among the Tombstones, a 2014 rated R movie that's on Netflix. Before we get into that, Greg, what have you been up to this week? I watched the first episode of the new Black Mirror. I thought it was okay. It kind of took a weird turn at the end where they kind of tried to do that Matrix thing where it's, you're not the first person to ask the key maker, but you always do the same thing. I was like, okay, whatever. I don't really care about that. But I thought it was interesting. Otherwise, it, it's fun. I mean, Black Mirror is always kind of like dark, weird, fun time. So it's nice to see what they do. I'll probably watch the rest of it uh, later this week. I don't know. I'll get around to it. Uh, I finished up Silicon Valley. I started watching, we started watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of what I've been watching. Been playing around with Descript, stuff like that. If anybody has any cool tricks or tips for hacking Descript to make it even more user-friendly, let me know. What about you? So we also watched Black Mirror and... I enjoyed it more than I did last season because I don't remember anything from last season, to be honest. Uh, the last season had that one good episode where they were playing, where they were Street Fighter characters and they could actually play their characters. Uh, or they, they inhabited their characters and then the two dudes started making out as their characters and yeah. it was the whole thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the other two episodes in that season were pretty bleh. Yeah, that's the only season, that's the only episode of that season that I ever remember, honestly. Which is kind of funny because when I brought my wife, she remembered a completely different episode. Was it the one with Miley Cyrus? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one was that was a weird episode, and I didn't really like it. But that being said, I'm enjoying this one more than last season. To be fair, other than that, we've gone ahead and moved on to watching Malcolm in the Middle. Still, that's mm-hmm. our family night. The kids been fighting us on that one, but he's the one who set up family nights so every tuesday we go ahead and watch three or four episodes episodes of and then move on he's he doesn't want to watch malcolm in the middle anymore no no he loves watching malcolm in the middle but because summer has started he thinks that uh, every second of every day is now his and do with as he pleases mm, yes that's right so he no longer wants to do family nights even though he's the one who established them <laughs> well so yeah it's going to be fun yeah Having kids is awesome. Everybody should do it. Pass. No, everybody should do it. No they pass. Should, they should all suffer just like me. I see. So it's a shared misery thing. <laughs> I'm joking. If you're not financially stable, don't go ahead and do that. If you're not ready, don't do it. Just if you listen don't, to me. If you don't want to, don't do it. I think that's, that's the important thing. That's the biggest that's the biggest reason right there. Don't if you don't want to. That being said. Do you want to jump into the movie? Yeah, let's talk about Not Taken. All right. So, A Walk Among the Tombstones is about a private investigator, Matthew Scudder, who is hired by a drug kingpin to find out who kidnapped his and murdered his wife. This movie is starring Liam Neeson as Matt Scudder. Dan Stevens as Kenny. 
David Harbour as Ray, Boyd Holbrook as Peter, Brian Astro Bradley as Junior as TJ. This movie is rated R for strong violence, disturbing images, language, and brief nudity. Trigger warning. Kidnapping, gore, implied sexual assault, and suicide. Our synopsis, after a stray bullet kills a child in 1991, Scudder, played by Liam Neeson, retires from the police force and <clears throat> becomes a P.I. Fast forward to 1999, and Scudder is hired by a drug trafficker whose wife was kidnapped and murdered despite having the ransom paid. Now Scudder has to find the criminals who will kill, who kill, crim- Jesus Christ. Today is going to be a rough day for me. <laughs> you want to take the synopsis from the top? I can edit yeah. that out. We'll we'll do the synopsis from the from the top here. All right. I got a cup of coffee, so I wouldn't be over here running over my words. It's working. It might be making it worse. <laughs> All right. Five. Our synopsis: After a stray bullet kills a child in 1991, Scudder, played by Liam Neeson, retires from the police force and becomes a PI. Fast forward to 1999, and Scudder is hired by a drug trafficker whose wife was kidnapped and murdered, despite having paid the ransom. Now Scudder has to find the criminals who kill criminals and stops them before they kill again. This was a specific set of skills that makes him a nightmare for people like you. That's probably why today has been difficult for me to go ahead and talk about this movie. It's skills that I don't use. (laughs) What, talking or the the ability to track down your... You should try that more. You should drive out here. We'll go to the Red Hot. Hell yeah. Let's do that. We'll we'll have a meeting after this. Dude, give the kid the summer break he wants. Hey, you're free for a couple of hours. We're, your uncle and I are going to go eat hot dogs. <laughs> he would love that. Uh, so with uh, with this movie, how do you feel about this one? I actually, I, so I like this movie overall. What I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out is why this one didn't hit big for Liam Neeson. Like, this was at peak Neeson, and the only thing I could think is maybe we were a little bit done with them. But, I mean, this was post-Taken, and I believe post-Taken too. So, I mean, his star is as big as it's going to get. Oh, that's not fair to say. He's a talented Broadway actor and an activist and stuff. So, But in terms of public love for him, there there's no point, I feel like, that his profile had been higher in the public consciousness than this movie. And the only thing I can think about is, or think of is that when you look at something like Taken and then look at this movie, it's clearly not the same thing. The action sequences are somewhat visceral, but there's not enough of them to hook somebody in who's expecting a Taken-like movie, right? Liam Neeson doesn't do the thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger does or Bruce Willis, etc., where you know that you're going into one of those movies, you're going to see 13 minutes of story and about 80 minutes of explosions and body count and maybe some titties. Right. That's not Liam Neeson's style. He's he's a little bit different in his way. So I think a lot of people probably went to this movie looking for an action movie. And it even has a cool action Western name, right? A walk among the tombstones. Sounds like some Clint Eastwood shit, dude. Just the name alone should get you hype. But I think when you watch this movie and you realize it's much more of a crime drama, it's even it's hard. It's it's in thriller section for Netflix. And I think that's actually pretty accurate because this movie builds suspense and hides the identity of key characters in a way that similar type thrillers do. This is much closer to a crime drama than it is an action movie in every stretch of the imagination. And I think that's probably why this movie didn't get the love that I feel like maybe it deserves. Actually, like I said, I think this is a really fun movie. There's a few things I I thought didn't really work, 
but overall, I think that this movie works for Liam Neeson. I think he's great in it. I think the rest of the cast around him does a pretty good job. I thought that the the two main villains were creepy as hell. And the fact that one of the villains turns on the other and then, you know, has this showdown with Liam Neeson at the end. I was like, dude, this is some top-notch shit. I really like it. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'll spoil my ending already. Just, I recommend this. It's not terribly long and it moves along at a pretty good pace. I agree with you on that one. This was a, this was a good movie. I love Liam Neeson. I also quite enjoy Harbour as one of the characters that's in this. Harbour. Harbour. I think he was a great choice. Honestly, I like the way that they decided to go ahead and hide some of the faces the way that they did, because I thought that was an interesting aspect and it kept making me question if that was the actor that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely great to see that sort of stuff. And I think that you and I talked about this with one of the horror films that we will be talking about at some point. One thing that, that I have an issue with when it comes to certain aspects of movies, specifically like horror movies, is showing the monster when you show the monster. Don't let the audience see what you've drawn up. Let the audience design the monster themselves. Guess what? In this movie, David Harbour playing Ray is a monster. Let us make that up mm-hmm. while he's going ahead and designing it for us, while he's playing out that character. Let us, let our imagination create that so that whenever you do reveal him, he becomes human. Yeah, well, and it also works really well. Though. It shows that the scariest monsters are always humans, right? We we are monsters if we let ourselves be. And so their kind of choice to really focus down on that, right? There was at no point did anybody in this movie be like, huh, maybe it's ghosts or anything like that. <laughs> there was not even remote. And it wasn't, there was never a joke about it either. Like Scudder knows that Peter and Kenny are drug traffickers and that the other people that he's going to help out are also drug traffickers. So there's no nonsense about, oh, maybe it's, you know, MS-13, ha, 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 or some, some weird thing where they're trying to make it sound like this could, they don't know what's going on or they don't know who it could be. They're immediately concerned with who is ballsy enough to kidnap a, the wife of a drug trafficker and then kill the wife after getting the ransom money. You know, that's something that if you're taking somebody hostage and you're trying to get somebody to do something, right? Like pay you, you give back the hostage, but. These guys clearly didn't care about that. They're they're established as psychopaths from the moment we even hear about them, let alone once you actually see them in action. And I think they did a really good job. The they did a really good job emphasizing this through the way that these guys are shot, the way that they're revealed, the kind of attitudes that both Ray and his his partner, what's his partner's name, Lloyd? I'm not sure. Uh, they might not have ever said his name, to be honest. I don't name. But yeah, those two guys are are Albert. clearly monsters. What's that? Albert. Albert. There we go. Yeah, Ray and Albert. But they're clearly monsters, and they are they're shown to be monstrous just in just in hearing about them. And then, so when you finally meet them, it's it's in a way it's a letdown because you're kind of expecting two six eight fucking crazy wrestler looking motherfuckers covered in scars and tattoos but on the flip side it's also equally scary because those guys look super normal i know 12 people who look like that yeah but yeah, yeah it's it, a it's a good movie i think they did a really good job building that tension straight up go ahead i just uh, talked over you no no you're good uh, i completely agree with you i think that they 
they played it really well because we get these two characters that could be the plumber coming over to go ahead and help you out because your toilet's broken. That's essentially the way that these two guys look. And that is such a terrifying aspect, that sort of thing. Because I remember having my parents go, you know, stranger danger, stranger danger. And this kind of led right into that and made me kind of remember that when it came to the way that my parents talked about meeting people. And yet, how many times has Liam Neeson had to rescue you because you do not listen to him about Stranger Danger? Probably about once a month. He's kind of gotten tired about it. Tired yeah. of it. Dude, Last month every he time, let me sit there. Every time it says free tacos, it's probably a trap. But one time it will not be. Is it worth it? Maybe those tacos are worth it, man. I don't know. Yeah, they they tied me up and beat me, but <laughs> they still fed me tacos. Though the the thing I think doesn't really work in this movie, and I think that they probably I I could have done without it. I I'll I'll definitely listen to an argument about maybe maybe I missed something here because I'm not the most observant person, but. There's a framing device that they use throughout the last third of the movie where they kind of frame Liam Neeson's character, like your scudder in and his actions as they relate to the 12 steps of recovery for Alcoholics Anonymous. And it kind of makes sense because scudder alludes to the fact that on the day that a child caught a stray bullet and died, the that he had been drinking or he was drunk and he was known to be a drunk. And so we we get this idea that he's supposed to be on a redemption arc and that by saving the little girl that gets kidnapped later in the movie, he's on that redemption arc. But by using these 12 steps, they, they pause the movie to show you the meeting and to hear the steps. And it feels forced. It feels like whoever was the ultimate decider on what the final product was for this movie they felt like they didn't have enough of a message or enough of a movie. They didn't want to just put out, oh, just another Liam Neeson movie or just another crime thriller. So they had to add something else. And I don't know if that was it. You know, it doesn't take a lot of time in the movie. It doesn't It doesn't kill the movie's momentum. As you heard, I already said I recommended it. But it's a very odd choice. And we honestly don't get to know Scudder enough to make me care about whether or not he feels like he's been redeemed. So it, it just, I guess the best way to describe it is it feels out of place and it's a very weird thing that they did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I missed something. What do you think? So my opinion on the AA stuff was, I get they were trying to do they're trying to show that Scudder is either being redeemed on his way, being redeemed or trying to be redeemed. I get that. It pissed me off when you're in the middle of a scene trying to see if a character is going to die and you pause and you cut away and then you come back and you pause and you cut away and you come back. Annoyed the shit. I did not like, I hated that. I didn't like it. I think that there were better ways that they could have done that. Maybe have it so that it's a voiceover while the character, the brother, do you brother's name was the junkie brother? That's Peter. Peter. And I don't use junkie as a derogative. He was literally known as the the drug addict brother. And I want I didn't you know I figured that he was dying, but with them pausing, it's like it breaks that that little bit of tension up right there. 
while you're in the middle watching Liam and so you're watching Matt and Ray go at it and watching as they're fighting to try and see who goes ahead and gets out of the out of the cemetery alive. It annoyed the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it slowed down the movie quite a bit. I will say that the other thing I didn't really care for, so like specifically that cemetery scene, they make a big deal about how Peter is still using or has been recently using. And then they decide that, oh, well, he was in the army, so he'll be our rifleman. And I'm, well, first of all, not all riflemen are created equal. I'll say that probably everybody in the army can shoot better than I can, but I don't think that's the ringing endorsement that anybody thinks it is. But also, just because you were in the army and you know how to operate a rifle doesn't mean you're a great shot in the rain at night in a cemetery. And so, on top of that, add in the fact that he was recently using, and as anybody who's dealt with this sort of stuff knows, it is with one of the main symptoms of withdrawals is tremors and shakes. So, I don't know why that was part of their plan in the first place, but I guess they were out of options. I would think that the, the drug trafficker would have a little bit of money to hire a couple guys who can actually shoot. But so they had a guy that could shoot. The only problem was that he was nearsighted at night. That was the only problem that he had. That's one problem versus Peter Christo having 30, 40. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about the nearsighted at night guy, but on a little bit flip side, we talked a little bit about this in the dragged across concrete episode, right? But this film also fits in that noir thing because literally everybody dies that is a bad person with the exception being the no actually no no exception everybody who is meant to who is portrayed as awful anybody who sells drugs takes lives etc they all die the only people who get out of this alive are scudder tj and the the little girl who he rescues and even then the little girl gets two of her fingers taken which is you know trauma for life and also you know kidnapping so trauma for life there as well but, did her dad die? Yeah, he did. Okay. I don't I didn't remember that. I'm like ninety eight percent sure. He might have lived, but I think he died. Okay. Uh but yeah, the this is a better example, I feel like, of what classic noir feels like. Scudder is not particularly gray in this case. Whether or not you feel like the drinking on the job thing is good, it's not. You don't you shouldn't drink on the job. But if you feel like that's a moral stain on him, then sure, that's a problem. But the he even says the bullet that killed that little kid wasn't fired at her. It was a ricochet that hurt somebody. And the he was guilt-ridden over this accident that happened. He still it doesn't stop him from firing bullets in public anywhere else, but he apparently blames that on his drinking, and that's the whole AA thing. But other than that, he's presented as a pretty clean character. He takes in TJ, who is a homeless youth or a youth in the system. I didn't quite catch whether or not he had a home or if he was in the system somewhere. But he takes in TJ as kind of like a helper, trains him to be a detective. I I was really, really cringing as soon as I saw that TJ was going to be like this child detective helper. I was like, oh, man. You know, I was like, I tend to hate this character. But he actually did a pretty good job. He did the things I would think a kid would do, which is follow somebody to a location and then get the hell out of there. Quick note, we call him Brian Astro Bradley Jr. Brian Bradley Jr. is how he's been billed in his last couple outings, but the name Astro is all that's billed for this movie. So if anybody's looking in there, like, well, actually, we know, we saw. (laughs) 
I, I got to say, I like TJ. I think that he played the part really good. That being said, can we talk about how Liam Neeson looked in the first 10 minutes of this film? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> that was definitely a look. I, the, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about heavy-handed movies in this, and I, I want to say I think that they were going to they, – they were leading into that heavy-handedness of, this, this cop here is dirty as fuck. <laughs> His hair's shaggy. He drinks a lot. <laughs> Liam Neeson needs to bring that look back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it was basically the whole, what does it look like if we just let somebody stand in a river for a, a year? You know, and then we put him in a movie real quick. Because, yeah, like the rest of the movie, he looks like the dad from Taken because yeah. he's got the same thing. But, yeah, that first part, I was like, Qui-Gon, no! <laughs> What have you done to yourself, Qui-Gon? You got chopped in half. You looked better chopped in half than you do right now. Oh, I love that look. That was such a good look. I'm I'm sad they took it away from us. Yeah, well, you can blame George Lucas for that. (laughs) And I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what what, another character that I think played really well was the engine man. I remember what his name was. It's Anthony or something like that. Maybe just Tony. He was played off just creepy enough, but not creepy enough to be part of Ray and Albert's crew. Yeah, and then when he jumps off that building, it's oh, like... Man. I, I did not see that coming, and I, that's something i got to give this movie credit for. I didn't really... I wasn't able to predict it. I, I do sit down, I'll admit fully, when it's a movie I think I'm going to figure out really quickly, I sit down like an asshole and make a prediction. My prediction in this movie was that Liam Neeson was going to die so the little kid could live, a la like, Man on Fire. But the but yeah, the movie didn't do that, and I was like, oh, okay, at least it went a different direction than I expected. But yeah, yeah that, no, that, that suicide scene was definitely one of the ones where I was like, oh shit, I did not see that coming. I thought this guy was going to be the inside man; he was going to help us inform everything. And then, yeah, he instead didn't do that. He took a he took a pigeon off the off the building. He's like, he can't fly. He was like, I can fly, I can fly, I can. Oh, boo. Where's that button? I need I need the booze. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have that set. You know, I really should. I should set up a whole soundboard for us. Customize yeah, it week to week. We could have some some fun Liam Neeson voice in here. I, I got to say, this movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. Ray and Albert, though, they were... Those, are pro- those have probably been some of the worst characters I think I've ever seen. Not worst as in, like, terrible, hateful character. I mean, yes, terrible and hateful, but not awfully played. The, yeah, not badly way, acted or written. Yeah, the way that they, they tortured their victims, and we were allowed to witness small parts of it, really just amplifies the horror that these two are willing to go ahead and put on people. And I think that played really well into the which, yeah, tying that back into something you said. I don't understand why this kind of was overlooked like it was, because like you said, this was a good movie. And with these two guys going ahead and being the villains that they are, it, they were terrifying. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that maybe we were tired of, of Liam Neeson at this point, because everybody else in the movie does a really good job. It's not like he's the only one acting. Yeah. But from the time that this movie came out, from from the time, let me take that again. 
from the time between the time this movie came out from Taken to to 2014. So Taken came out in the end of 2008. We had so many big movies from him. We had Clash of the Titans where he was Zeus. We had the A-Team. He was in the Chronicles of Narnia as the voice of Aslan. Uh, he was in the second Anchorman. He was in the Dark Knight Rises. He was in the Gray. And I think the Gray disappointed a lot of people too. I think it's a better movie than people give it credit for, but it's it's not good. There's Taken 2. Then there's the Lego movie. He was in Nonstop, which is which is actually a pretty interesting movie. I saw that with one of our mutual friends in the theaters. He was in A Million Ways to Die in the West, which is not a good movie. And then finally, he was in A Walk Among the Tombstones. And I think by that point, that's not even all of them. I just, I skipped over the ones that probably nobody watched. And so, oh, he was also in Battleship. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, so that's a lot of Liam Neeson in a short amount of time, right? That's, he was in something close to 20 movies over this stretch of time. It's not like he slowed down massively, but he slowed down enough to the point where his star is kind of coming back. We we saw the same thing with, with other actors that were really popular for a short amount of time. Like Dane Cook is a great example guy was everywhere he was in five movies in one year and then boom he disappeared kevin hart same way and so you know there's there's a certain saturation point where all of a sudden the script flips and you're like dude this motherfucker again like i don't want to go see another fucking liam neeson movie well it's kind of funny they mentioned that because we're seeing that with is like marvel and dc because as we've seen two movies just recently came out and they both bought i think two movies came out i know the flash came out flash Mm -hmm. bombed like shit I think Spider-Man did pretty well. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Spider-Man came out. I watched the first one, and the first one was really good, so I, I really hope that one did well. I'll see at some point. I probably will not. Maybe many, many moons from now. But it's a little, also a little bit different, right? The Spider-Verse stuff is animated, yeah? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit different than comparing Apple's Apples. I guess the real com- competition is the Ant-Man movie from earlier this year. Was yeah, it earlier this year, or was that yeah, well, I, last year? It was, but yeah, the Ant Man movie from earlier this year versus the Flash versus, I believe, Fast and the Furious stomped both of them, uh, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, and I, and I mean, pretty much everybody's getting out of the way of this Mission Impossible movie. The that's going to destroy at the box office because somehow Tom Cruise is still relevant. Apparently, we can't get enough of him. Yeah, I thought we were done with him after Interview with the Vampire, and then he did Jerry Maguire, and then people were like, oh, he can actually act. I'm like, no, no. No, now we'll never get rid of him. They showed up as like four foot eight Ethan Hunt, you know? Yeah, I, I'm afraid we're never going to get rid of him. He doing Anthony Hopkins style stuff at like oh, 90. Yeah, to, to quote the great, we hate movies. I'll eat my shit on camera. <laughs> yeah, no, we're never going to get rid of him because he's going to be replaced by the living incarnation of Xenu or whatever the fuck it is Scientologists believe in. And he's going to. He's going to live forever. And we're just going to be like, how come he doesn't look a day over 60? And then the next day you'll get silenced because him and Paul Rudd are just running around killing people. See, that's right. why I don't we- think, I don't think Paul Rudd's a Scientologist. I just want to throw that out there. It's just that the man doesn't age. So I assume he's some other kind of immortal. Like maybe Paul Rudd and Tom Cruise will be locked in a battle until the end of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're getting it out now. So that we've got a few years before they come on to snout. Well, I mean, it'll be great. This will be a great artifact for, you know, the future generations as they're ravaged by the Rudd Cruise Wars. We'll be, they'll, they'll be able to look back and be like, the prophets, the chosen ones knew and we didn't listen. I'll be like, ah, uh-huh. do, do you think Reeves yeah. will be still around? Who? Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Yeah, but he won't take sides, man. No, no, no. Just saying, do you think he'll still be around? That's all about. 
Oh, he'll live in some kind of cool underground bunker with Snoop Dogg. Yeah. That's, That's the like, utopia that I want. The Keanu Reeves Snoop Dogg bunker? Yeah, just for those days. It's just going in the basement and smoking a lot of weed, dude. <laughs> I mean, there's really not much more to it. <laughs> Is that how you stay young? How, how I stay young? <laughs> it's so they do the opposite, because I, I look more and more like bootleg Gandalf every day. Grand Dwarf, Grand Dwarf the Wizard. That's why we love you running our our D and D campaigns. We're just gonna go. instead of like, you shall not pass. I'm like you can't go. I'm not like fly you fools. I'm like run, dude. <laughs> it's like Bill and Ted Gandalf. So, Bring yeah, me honestly, a beer. <laughs> I would absolutely watch some Bill and Ted Gandalf stuff. I'm, I would I'm love even... that. I'd watch too. Anyway, yeah, I recommend this movie. I have nothing additional to say about it. It's overall good. The only reason I wouldn't watch this movie is if you're somebody who needs a fast movie or if you're somebody who needs a funny movie, then this isn't going to do it. I can't think of one time that I laughed in this movie. And obviously that's not the point. But yeah, this is not a quick movie and it's certainly not an action movie. I guess the other note, there's not really any females of note that have any real character depth in this movie so if you're looking for something where there is a strong empowered female this is not it there all of the names that we read out as the star are males and there are no female actors or actresses of note in this movie the only women on screen basically exist to be saved by men so it is not a movie for somebody who's looking for a strong female role model i agree with you on that i do have to say i did laugh once and it was when liam neeson was Pointing the gun at the guy who's running away from him, not not from for the fact that he's pointing the gun, but from the fact that they put the camera where the gun was supposed to be, and it was just jiggling around. And I don't know, something about that made me laugh. I do remember that. I was like, "What's happening here?" I yeah. thought that I thought that like, the connection had dropped, and that I was having some weird buffering when I saw that. I was like, "The hell's going on with Netflix?" That was the only time I laughed in this movie. That right there. Otherwise, I, I agree with you. I think that this is. The sort of movie that if you're looking for a noir type movie that has Liam Neeson, all the bad guys die. All the bad guys die in brutal ways. Jesus Christ, they died in some bad fucking ways. Oh, and another point, Liam Neeson ends the guy's name, Albert? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Albert. Ends Albert in a brutal way, and I loved it. I'm not going to spoil it. No, no, no. Albert's the one who jumped off the... Oh, no, that's right. No, Albert, Albert the other, right. Yeah, yeah. He, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He he ends Albert up. in a brutal way, and I love, Albert deserved it. Albert deserved worse, but Albert deserved what he got. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. Other than that, like Greg said, there aren't really any female actresses in this. Uh, you, you have Laura Byrne playing Fila Alvarez. Kim Rosen playing the waitress, also known as Jenny. Literally, that's it. There's a little girl that you see for three minutes at best. Mm-hmm. And other than that, there are no real female actors or actresses in this. Go watch it. Enjoy it. This is on par with Spectral, in my opinion. It's a really good movie. Actually, it would be better than Spectral. I'm not sure. No I had more fun with Spectral, so I'm going to say that that one is the better movie so far. Actually, I think you nail it with that. I think that puts Spectral above Walk Among the Tombstone. I like this one. Spectral was definitely more fun. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if given my choice to something to flip to, right, a straightforward action movie or a thriller, I'm probably going to pick the action movie most of the time because I don't need to be engaged the whole time. You Walk Among the Tombstones is definitely a movie where if you're you're fucking around on your phone the whole time, you're going to miss what's going on. And you're going to be like, wait, who's this? <laughs> Why is he shooting at the dude from Stranger Things? Because they're in the upside down, man. <laughs> in this version, he's the evil one. David Arbor is the Mind Flayer, confirmed. Yeah, I believe it. Well, with that being said, we have been streaming Wastelands, and we took on a walk among the tombstones. With that being said, again, uh, I'd like to tell you guys, I had a pizza joke, but it's pretty saucy. Break down laugh. (laughs) Greg, you got anything to say? Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok and Twitter. That's where you can find uh, all of our updates, any sort of show info, and what's coming up next. With that, we'll see you guys. Bye. Bye.